With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Meriwether Global Ministry and welcome to our Wednesday night virtual Bible study. Meriwether Global Ministry is a ministry that's at work saving people for the Lord Jesus around the world. Uh, My name is uh, Pastor T. Welcome Miller Jr. or just Pastor Troy, and we just want to welcome you once again to our uh, Wednesday night Bible study in the book or through the book of John. So for the last about three months, we've been working our way through the book of John And tonight we'll be looking at John, the fifth chapter, verses 30 through 47, and we'll be finishing up chapter five. So we'll be finishing up chapter five. Just want to say hello to uh, our ministry team, to uh, Dr. T, uh, uh, Dr. Tanya Merriweather Gibson, and then also to Pastor Tim, uh, uh, Pastor Tim Merriweather, and then also just want to say hello to our partners throughout the United States, partners in Africa, like Pastor Chige in Kenya, uh, Pastor K in Kenya, I mean, in, in India, and then Pastor Lisa in Jamaica. Just want to say hello to you and just hello to those of you who have partnered with us and who have supported Meriwether Global Ministries. So let's go ahead and pray so that we can get into the word of God. All right. Uh, Father, we just come before you just thanking you, thanking you for your word and thanking you for everything your word has to teach us about you and your your mighty and awesome character. Uh, we just ask that as we get into the word, Holy Spirit, that uh, you be the teacher. Holy Spirit, just use me to teach your word uh, clearly and in such a way that uh, our hearts, uh, that we'll be able to apply it be able to understand it and apply it. Let our hearts be receptive to what you have to say. Please illuminate the eyes of our understanding so that we might understand your word. And by understanding it, we might be able to apply it and live by it. Uh, Lord, use me. Use me as in spite of my faults, frailties, and shortcomings to just teach and preach your word with power and and with clarity. Uh, Jesus, just be Jesus in me. No, no longer me, but the resurrection power. Please fill me this hour. Please, Jesus, be Jesus in me. Please let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right. So tonight we'll be looking at the uh, witnesses to Christ. So witnesses of Christ. So we're going to finish up that fifth chapter. So we started out a couple of weeks ago looking at chapter five, and when Jesus uh, healed the man that was at the pool of Bethesda, the man that had been there, that had been lame for 38 years. And last week, we looked at how 
the religious leaders got mad, first of all, because Jesus, he, he healed on the Sabbath, on the uh, Jewish day of worship. But not only did he heal on the Sabbath, but they got mad because of a couple of things that Jesus claimed. First of all, they got mad because Jesus claimed equality with God in nature when he said, when he claimed that God was his father, but then Jesus claimed equality with God in power. That angered them. But then Jesus claimed equality with God and his authority. And then he went further to say that all life was in his hands, that all judgment was in his hand, and that all resurrection was in his hand. So these folks, they they were hot. Uh, we know later on, they, they were so hot that they wanted to to kill him. And later on, they did a couple of years later, they crucified him on Calvary's cross. So tonight we're going to look at the witnesses to Christ. Okay. So Jesus is saying that I all, he claimed all these things about himself. He claimed all these things about the things that he was doing in the world on behalf of the kingdom of God. And he backs it up with certain witnesses to who he truly is and witnesses to the work that he was doing. So we'll be looking at the four witnesses tonight. Look at verse 30. Let's just jump in. He says, I can do nothing of my own initiative as I hear I judge and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus was saying right here in verse 30 that when he came to earth, that he submitted himself to the will of the father. Philippians 2, 6 through 8, we see that Paul says, who, speaking of Jesus, although he existed in the very form of God, he was 100% God. He didn't regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but that he humbled himself, that he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and be, he, he, he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Paul lets us know that God, the son who had been God throughout all of eternity, that he suspended the independent usage of certain privileges that he had as deity came down, became a man and uh, submitted himself to the will of the father and died for our sins. We even see that in the garden where he says, uh, Lord, if this cup could pass me, let it pass, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Well, what does that say to us believers? It says that we must submit ourselves to God's will, that daily we should be seeking to do God's will, to live according to God's will, just like our savior, Jesus Christ. We do this by learning what God's word says about daily living and then striving to live according to those biblical principles for daily living. So Jesus, he submitted himself to God's will. And as a result of submitting himself to God's will, Jesus did nothing, he said, of it on his own initiative. And to us, that says to us, brothers and sisters, that we should not do anything of our own initiative, but that we must be led by God's word and by his spirit. Now, this does not mean that we sit around and we passively do nothing. But when we act, 
when we make decisions, we should do so directed by God's word and by his spirit's leading. So when we get ready to make a decision, consult his word. When we get ready to go out and we get into daily life, God, I ask that you might allow your word to come back to my remembrance when I interact with people, when I have to speak to those on my job, when I have to uh, make serious decisions, uh, financial decisions, decisions that affect my family, that I might walk according to your word. The, then look back at verse 31. Jesus said, I've done nothing. I, I alone test. Uh, I, if I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. So Jesus did not bear witness about himself. The fact that he's the son of God and that he's savior. The reason why is because his witness alone would not have, it wouldn't have um, been accepted in a Jewish court of law. It wouldn't have, even though his testimony about himself would have been true, it would not have been accepted because according to Jewish law, you had to have two or three witnesses to confirm somebody's testimony. You even had to have two or three witnesses to condemn somebody. And even in our courts today, more than one witness is usually needed to condemn somebody or to prove that their testimony is true. So in the remaining verses that we'll look at tonight, Jesus names those who bear witness of the fact of, of who he is, the fact that he's the son of God, the fact that he's savior. So the witnesses on, uh, on behalf of Jesus's case are John the Baptist, Jesus's own words, God the Father, and the scripture, the Old Testament. So all four bore witness of who Jesus is. So first of all, we see John the Baptist was the first witness. Look at verses 33 through 35. You have sent John and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a lamp that was burning and was shining and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. So first of all, Jesus said, John was the first witness to who he truly was. So John is his first witness. So in verse 33, Jesus says that John was sent and John was sent to testify the truth about who he was. Even if you remember when we look back at John the first chapter, a couple of months ago that in verses 19 through 34, it tells of how the religious leaders came to John, how the priests were sent and how Levites were sent to John the Baptist. And John bore witness to the fact that Jesus is Lord. He bore fact, uh, witness to the fact that Jesus is the savior of the world and that Jesus is the son of God. So everything that he said about Christ was true. And so we, as Christians, we have the responsibility now of bearing witness to the truth of who Jesus is when the world asks us to, to about who he is. I mean, Peter says that we are the sanctified Christ in our hearts as Savior. That means trust him as Savior. And he said, be ready to make a defense, an apology 
to everyone who asks you the reason why you have hope. But he said, do it with gentleness and reverence. So God has given us the responsibility of, as, as my granddaddy would say, holding up the bloodstained banner. We have the responsibility of holding up the gospel, but we do it with gentleness and we do it with respect. And we must have the same message that John the Baptist had, that Jesus is the son of God, that he's savior of the world, and that he is the Lord of all. Jesus says in verse 34 that uh, he doesn't need the witness of any man to prove who he is. But uh, as well, we'll see in a minute that he already had the witness of God the Father. But Jesus is using John's testimony, somebody that was respected by most of the Jews at that day, he was using John's testimony to confirm to unbelieving, hard-headed, hard-hearted men that he is the son of God and savior so that they might put their faith, their trust in him as savior and be saved from their sins. And when we're witnessing y'all, when we share the facts about who Jesus is, it's not to prove that we know the Bible. It's not to prove how many biblical facts we know, but it's to show people who Jesus truly is, that they might be able to place their faith in him and be saved. In verse 30, Jesus says that John's ministry was like a burning lamp that was shining for a brief period of time. John's ministry was very visible it was a very visible ministry at that time. His ministry was so visible that it was not to his vis the visibility of his ministry was not to bring attention to himself. Oh, but it was to point everybody to Jesus. John 1 and uh, 1, 6 through 8 says, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. So John, he just came for that brief period of time to point people to the Messiah, the coming Messiah. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, that you and I, that we are the light of the world. And that we should let our light shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So all the works that we do for the kingdom of God, all the works we do on behalf of the Lord Jesus, they're always to point people to who Jesus is. Because he said if he's lifted up, oh, he'll draw men unto him. And so we lift him up with our lifestyle. We lift him up with our labor. We lift him up with the very words that we share through our witness. So we see John was the first witness, but then Jesus said that his works, that his works were the second witness. Look at verse 36. It says, but the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John for the works which the father has given me to accomplish the very works that I do testify about me that the father has sent me so his works testify to who he was jesus said that 
He had a greater witness than John, and it was the very works that he was doing. So his works speak are the signs that Jesus performed. They show that he's truly God because nobody could do the things Jesus did except God himself. And so his works speak ultimately of the work that he did on the cross, the fact that he died for our sins, that he fully paid our sin debt. So why? Why are his works so unique? Well, his works were given to him by God the Father, he said. They were given to be accomplished. They were given by the Father, the Father to be accomplished or completed. It was a work that was given to him before the foundation of the world. I mean, John says in the Revelation, he says that Jesus was the lamb who was slain before the very foundation of the world. So within the eternal councils of deity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit planned out our salvation before we were ever created, before God ever created this world. And it was planned out that Jesus would be the sacrificial lamb who would die for our sins. But then the works of uh, Jesus bear witness that he was sent from God. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 said, but when the fullness of time came, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law in order that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive adoption as children. So God sent Jesus, oh, to pay the price for our sin, to free us from the marketplace of sin and save us and adopt us into his family, to make us his children. And God, guess what? Not only did he have a work for Jesus to accomplish, he has a work for you and I to accomplish, believers. He has a work for us. God has a work for us that he prepared also before he created the world. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, for we are God's workmanship. Literally, his poem is the word that we get the word workmanship, that he's writing a beautiful poem upon the pages of our life, that we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God created you and I before he created the world. He created us not only for salvation, but he created us for good works, which he prepared beforehand, Paul says, that we should walk in them. So what has God called you to do? Oh, what assignment has he called you to? What gift has he given to you? Walk in that gift, because when you walk in that gift, Oh, you bring glory and honor to him. When you walk in that gift, you bless the lives of others. And God has given us gifts to point to the world, uh, point out to the world who Jesus is. So our works for God and our lives should reflect Jesus. Oh, when people look at our lives, y'all, it should reflect Jesus. It should mirror Jesus. The way we live should mirror Jesus. The work that we're doing should mirror his love. It should mirror his mercy. It should mirror his compassion. But then Jesus said that his third witness was God the Father himself. Look back at verse 32. Y'all thought I had skipped that verse. Verse 32 says, therefore, 
or there is another who testifies of me. And I know that the testimony which he gives, uh, 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 gives about me is true. So Jesus says, God, the father bears witness of who he is that in the father's witness, he says, oh, it's a true witness. Why? Because God can't lie. Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. God doesn't even have to repent because he doesn't do wrong and he doesn't lie. Titus 1 and 2 says, God who cannot lie. Hebrews 6 and 8 says, it's impossible for God to lie. So God's testimony is a true testimony because God is a God of truth. His word is truth, Jesus says in John 17, 17. He is truth. God is the very foundation for truth. And I mean, we could get into epistemological argument about truth and the foundation of truth, but when it all boils down, God is the foundation of all that is true. But then Jesus goes further to tell us more about the testimony of the Father. Look at verses 37 and 38. And the Father who sent me, he has testified of me. And you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You did not have you do not have his word abiding in you for you do not believe him whom he sent. Speaking of Jesus himself. So here Jesus repeats the fact that God the Father has borne witness of who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is God the Son. Jesus gives two reasons that the religious leaders did not believe God's witness. He said, first of all, they had not physically heard the voice of God, nor had they seen God. John 1 and 18, oh, I love that verse. It says, no man has seen God at any time. Jesus is the physical manifestation of God. The verse goes on to say, but the only begotten God who's in the bosom of the Father, he has revealed him. And you remember when we talked about that verse a few months ago, it means that he explains who God is, that Jesus, who's very God, he walks from time into eternity, he walks from eternity into time, and he reveals to us who God is and what God is really like. But then the religious leaders did not believe Jesus's witness because they did not have God's word abiding in them. God's word is the way, is God's way of revealing who Jesus is. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, we can all uh, testify to the fact if we trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, it was through pre hearing the preach word on Sunday. Oh, it was through somebody teaching us the word in Sunday school. Oh, it was through some Bible study uh, or home 
Bible study group or it was through somebody sharing a biblical tract with us that shared uh, uh, the facts about salvation. So God's word reveals who Jesus is, that he is the only way to God, that he exclusively is the only one who can save us. So it's God's word. Is God's word is God's way of speaking to the world. And so that leads to the, that's our segue into the next witness and the final witness, that fourth witness was scripture. So scripture was the fourth witness to who Jesus is. Look at verses uh, 39 and 40. Uh, you search the scripture because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. So Jesus was talking to religious leaders who thoroughly searched the scripture. I mean, that verse that talks about search, it means to do a rigorous search of scripture. So they thoroughly searched the Old Testament scripture because they thought mere knowledge of the Old Testament scripture would give them eternal life. But scripture bears witness of who Jesus is, that Jesus is the son of God and that he is the only one who can give eternal life. And those who heard it, they rejected him in spite of the fact that he had presented all the evidence to the fact, uh, all the evidence that pointed to the fact that he was truly the Messiah. John 1 and 11 says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. They rejected him. Jesus fully completed all the old, fully, uh, he completely fulfilled, excuse me, all of the Old Testament prophecies about his life, his death, and his resurrection. In his book, Case for Christ, Lee Strobo says, it would have been impossible for one person to just fulfill eight of the prophecies about Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. But he completed all of the numerous prophecies about his life, death, and resurrection. And the religious leaders who knew the Old Testament prophecies, they knew this, but they ignored it and they rejected Jesus. Oh, there are people today, y'all, who know the Bible. They know what the Bible teaches about Jesus and what it says about him being savior exclusively, but they still reject scripture. Jesus said, if the people of that day, if they had just come to know him, if they had trusted in him, that he would have given them life. And the same thing today. All we have to do is believe what God's word says about Jesus. And Romans 10 and 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if we believe all the facts, trust in who Jesus is and call on him and, and call on him, then he will save us. But then if you look at uh, uh, verses 14, 41 through 44, he goes further to talk about the testimony of scripture. He says, I do not receive glory from men, but I know uh, but uh, I know you 
that you do not have the love of the Father in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? So Jesus said that he had the witness of John. He had the witness of, of his works. He had the witness of the father and he had the witness of scripture. He said he didn't seek the praise of the religious leaders. He did not need the praise of the religious leaders. He did not try to seek his own glory. The only thing he sought was the glory of God the father. He glorified God the father through the way that he lived the perfect life. He glorified God the father by sacrificing his life, dying on the cross for our sins. That's how he glorified God the Father. But the religious leaders, they sought to receive glory and praise, Jesus said, from one another. Even in the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about how the religious leaders, they would pray in the open so they could get the applause and the accolades of men. When they fasted, they would walk around in sackcloth and they wouldn't wash their faith, uh, faces or anoint their faces. They'd walk around all ashy, y'all, with sackcloth on so that people would look at them and say, hey, look at him. He's such a religious guy. And so they got the applause and the accolades of men. So that's the glory that they got. They got that glory while they were still here on earth. They didn't seek to glorify God. They didn't seek the glory of God. And Jesus said that they did not. Jesus said they weren't seeking the glory of God. And Jesus said as a result of their self-glorification that the religious leaders, first of all, they, they did not have the love of God in them. Think about how they treated the downtrodden. Think about how they treated the disenfranchised. Think about how they treated those who are on the lower socioeconomic scale in that society. They treated them harshly. There was no way they could have had the love of God in them. They never showed the compassion of God. And if we put ourselves first and, and seek to glorify ourselves, then there's no way we can love God properly. Jesus, when he talked about love in Matthew 22, he talked about loving God with everything in us and loving your fellow man. And so love is an action word. We can say all day long that we love somebody, but if we never show it with our actions, oh, it, it, my mother would say it amounts to a hill of beans. <laughs> it, it amounts to nothing. But then the religious leader self-glorification led to their rejection of Jesus. And Jesus said that he came in the name of the father. This means that he came representing the father. Whenever we go out and do God's work, we're going in his name. We represent the father. So that means we need to watch the way that we talk when we get out in society, the way we act, the type of attitudes that we have. Because if we name the name Jesus, then that means we're representing Jesus. So he said that he represented the father, but they still rejected him. Jesus said 
they would willingly accept somebody else who would come in their own name, somebody who would come representing themselves before they were willing to represent our, I mean, willing to accept him. And if we put ourselves before God, we will reject him. But you may say, hey, I'm already a believer. But even as believers, if we put ourselves first, then that means we are rejecting the lordship and leadership of the Lord Jesus because we're putting ourselves as the head of our lives. And also that means we are rejecting his authority in our daily lives when we put ourselves first, our agenda first. But then for the unbeliever, it means that we're just rejecting Christ as Savior when we put ourselves on the throne of our lives. But then lastly, look at verses 45 through 47. Oh, it's such a, a, a strong indictment against the religious leaders. He says, do you think that I will accuse you before the father? The one who accuses you is Moses in whom you set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me because for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my word? So the Jewish leaders, remember, I told you they thoroughly studied the scripture. They thoroughly studied what we call the Pentateuch, the, the writings of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. They studied it. Remember. The old, the New Testament had not even been written at that time. So they focused on those first five books, especially the Sadducees, and they sought to live by the writings of Moses. They placed all their hope in the writings of Moses. But Jesus said the very thing that they placed their hope in, that it would accuse them, that it would charge them with doing wrong. The law of Moses was never meant to give salvation. The law of Moses was always meant to help people see their sinfulness and their need for God to us to, so that we might see our sinfulness and our need for a savior. The law was meant to expose sin and point to the savior who's Jesus Christ. Jesus even said that if they believe the writings of Moses, that they would believe in him because Moses wrote about him. In Deuteronomy 15 and, and also in Deuteronomy 18, 15 and also 18, uh, 18 through 19, it says Moses wrote there, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from among your countrymen, and you shall listen to him. I will raise up a prophet from your countrymen uh, uh, like you, and I will put my word in his mouth, speaking of Jesus, and he shall speak and they uh, to them all that I've commanded, speaking of Jesus. And it shall come about that whoever will listen to my word, which he will speak, saying that he'll speak on behalf of God the Father in my name, I myself will require it of him. So he's saying that when Jesus speaks or the prophet that was to come, speaking of Jesus, he was going to speak the very words of God. Why? 
because he's God himself. And he's saying that I'm going to hold you accountable for the very words that he speaks. Why? Because he speaks on my behalf. Why? Because he's God himself. And the Jewish leaders knew what Moses wrote, but they did not really believe what he wrote. Listen, they knew what he wrote, but they really didn't believe what he wrote. That's why they couldn't and wouldn't believe Jesus. All scripture gives testimony of who Jesus is. Uh, 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 my granddaddy, the, la the late Reverend Cleveland Alexander, used to always tell me, I remember from being a young guy, and he would tell me that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Because all of scripture, oh, it speaks of who Jesus is. The, the scarlet thread of redemption runs from Genesis all, to way, all the way to Revelation. Warren Worsby said, Jesus is the word made flesh. And the written word, the Bible, bears witness to the incarnate word, Jesus himself. If we search the scripture and cannot find Jesus, our searching of scripture, oh, it's in vain, y'all. What a tragedy. If we gain knowledge of God's word, but miss Jesus. Oh, what a tragedy. If we know everything about systematic, systematic theology and we don't know the Savior. If we know everything about historical theology and we don't know that about his story of salvation. Oh, Warren Worsby said it's one thing to have the word in your hands or your heads, but it's quite another thing to have the word of God in your hearts. If anyone does not believe what God's word says about Jesus, it's not because of a lack of evidence. All the evidence is there, y'all. It's because of a lack of will. That's what Leon Morris said. So if a person rejects what the Bible says about Jesus, they simply and just stubbornly refuse to believe. All the facts are there. I want to say there may be one that's listening to me right now. You've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know all the facts, but you've never trusted in those facts. You know that the Bible says, and, and all the facts are there, that he died for our sins. He came. He became a man. He was the perfect man, the God man, that he died for our sins, fully paying the price for our sin debt, that he was raised from the dead so that we might be justified, have a right relationship with God, and that he right now sits at the right hand of the Father, waiting one day to come back to get his church and to set up his eternal kingdom. All you have to do is believe he died. All you have to do is believe that he was raised for your justification and trust him, trust in him as Savior, trust in him to save you, Trust in him to change your life. Trust in him to give you spiritual life. Trust in him to give you the, the hope and the inheritance of eternal life. Life with him one day, eternally in heaven. If you never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, well, I got some good news. The Bible says that if we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. Do you want to make that choice today to trust Jesus? If you do, 
I can bow and I can pray with you. And all it is is just a prayer that's a simple confession of the trust that you're willing to place in Jesus as Savior. Why don't you bow with me? Father, just come before you thanking you that you sent your son to die for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins and being raised from the dead so that I might have a right relationship with you. I ask that you come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I confess you today, Jesus, as Savior. Help me to live for you from this time forth. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer with sincerity, friend, welcome to the family of God. We are so glad that you made that decision, the best decision you should you could ever make, a decision that has eternal repercussions. Now your next step is to your next step is to get in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, uh, Bible-practicing church, and we could help you get connected to that kind of church. I had a friend here recently that asked me, well, can you really get us connected with that kind of church? In my area, yes, we can get you connected with that kind of church. If you would just reach out to us, the email address is right there on the banner. It is MeriweatherGM at gmail.com, Meriwether. GM at gmail.com. Or if you'd just like to reach out to us with your prayer request, we're willing to pray with you and for you. Or if you'd like to find out more things about Meriwether Global, just want to correspond with us. And also, if you want to find out more about some of the things that we're doing, you can uh, go to our website, which is livingvictorious.network. Livingvictorious.network. And then also, you can not only hear the teachings and preaching of Pastor Troy, but also Pastor T, Tanya. Uh, Dr. Tanya Merriweather Gibson, Pastor Tim, Tim Merriweather, also some of our international pastors like Pastor Chige, Pastor JC, and Kenya at LV Network. You can find LV Network on Apple TV, Fire TV, and also on Roku. And also if you have the TuneIn app in your car or on your phone or any of your devices, you can also listen to the teachings of those who are part of Merriweather Global. And then also just want to say that uh, we thank you for those of you that have helped to support our efforts, the efforts of Meriwether Global and especially the efforts of Meriwether Global Outreach um, and our efforts to help feed families in places like India. Uh, remember, we've talked about before that for just $18, you can feed a family of four. Just a small donation of $18 can make a major difference in someone's life. And guess what? 100% of your donation goes to that effort. You can cash app us if you'd like to be a part of that effort at Mer dollar sign Mary Jim, dollar sign M-E-R-R-I-G-M. Or if you would just like to not only do that, thank you again for your continued support, but if you'd like to even support the work of Meriwether Global Ministries, you can do that at the same cash app. That's dollar sign Mary GM. And then also there are some other efforts that we're doing. We have partnered with VC uh, Kenya. That's uh, uh, VC. I'm, I'm trying to remember if I got it right. <laughs> That's uh, Volunteer Counselors uh, uh, Kenya and Sister Jane Betty. And if you go to Meriwether uh, uh, if you go to MeriweatherGlobalOutreach.org, you can find out about those efforts of helping those who are disenfranchised in Kenya. So helping orphans and, and the families of those who are struggling just for $38, your sponsorship of $38 a month 
will help uh, not only buy supplies for a child for school, but I, I also help uh, in feeding the families of those who are struggling there. And so if you just go to MerriweatherGlobalOutreach.org, you can find out more about that. Well, I've said a mouthful, you guys. Thank you for, for, for tuning in. Thank you for joining us on, on today. And we look forward to you joining us next week as we continue. We'll be picking up with John the sixth chapter. So we'll start on John the sixth chapter. And so let's end in prayer. Okay, Father, just thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord God. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Jesus, that your word reveals to us that you are a loving, compassionate savior who died for our sins. And thank you. Thank you that you died for those of us who did not deserve it, but that you did it out of your love. Thank you for saving us. And if uh, and we pray for brothers and sisters who have not trusted you as Savior, Lord Jesus, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to continue to just uh, uh, prod their hearts and help them to see their sinfulness and need for a Savior. And we just pray that they might trust you. Let the words that have been planted in their hearts come to fruition, send Christian labors across their path that might continue to just witness to them and share the word and just save them, Lord. Then we pray for those who have financial needs, Lord God. We pray that you might meet their needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We pray for those, Heavenly Father, who are hurting physically, that you would heal according to your will, Heavenly Father, that you would set right physically. Then we pray for those who might be mentally and emotionally anguished, Lord God. We see that the, the, the spotlight has been flashed on mental health here in the United States the last couple of days. We're just praying, Heavenly Father, not only that you would lead them to the proper help and guidance that they need, but that you might give them your peace, your power, your love, your sound mind, and your joy. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, until next time, friends, may God richly bless you.